have a, uh, I get to have a real joy today, a treat, an honor. Um, I'm, yeah, I get to introduce <laughs> uh, Dr. Uh, Mac Finney, but where I come from, he's called Uncle Mac, and uh, there you go, that's right. <laughs> and so, um, uh, here's my memory growing up. I didn't mean, it's funny, I didn't mean, those of you who've been here for the last few weeks while I've been gone, I didn't mean to kind of give you a walk through Chris Legg's life uh, with these people who I've been inviting to speak. That was not intentional, but now this week I got to go back and listen to all of them and realize that's kind of what I had done. Um, especially as I get to hear the stories they've been telling on me for the last six weeks. Um, two things stand out to me to, as a, from a, a small child all the way up till now um, with Uncle Mac. And one is um, when, other, when you're a kid and adults don't have time for you and didn't have time for you, um, Uncle Mac always did. He was the family member who was down on the floor playing games and listening, and that hasn't changed. Last night he was playing games with Michael and Emma, doing magic tricks for them, and and uh, just is just such a, a, a humble, joyful man. And he has thousands, as you're going to hear, um, thousands of spiritual children in his, in his ministry. I can't even imagine how many it must be through the chaplain work he's done and the pastoral work he's done. And then the second thing that stood out to me was now as a pastor is that uh, until Kent Pate, who you met last week, until I was 14, 15, and we moved over to Kent Pate's church, until then, I didn't really have an insp- a very good inspirational picture of what it meant to preach. Um, and so we, every, few year, every few months, I guess a couple times a year, we might go visit Uncle Mac, and he would get, I'd get to hear him preach sometimes. And uh, his were the, one, the first ones, until Kent Pate, that really gave me the understanding that, that a sermon, a teaching like that could be inspirational and informative and inspiring and encouraging and all those things. As a kid, I loved going and hearing him preach. And, uh, and so at, at 80 years old, 82, 82 um, if he finishes with the same story in the second service that he did in the first service about a, um, uh, a little boy with polio, it, it's, um, he's still going strong with that. So thank you for that, sir. Thank you. Okay, is my sound on okay, y'all? Y'all have to tell me these things. Oh, I hear myself now. Okay, I want to say to the people in Morris and then uh, I'm ringing on them. People in Morris and Gadsden, folks back home, it's good to say good morning to you this morning. They're watching me this morning. And for some strange, I asked Chris, can I move? What's going to happen here? They'll fix it. I don't want to fix too much. They'll turn me off. <laughs> I want to say thanks to all of you and thank. You. I always felt like I was an inspiration to Chris to be. After he heard me preach, anybody could do that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you a little lesson you may know a little part of, but may not know it all. Uh, back in the early days of this country, when people got in trouble up in the East and even over in Georgia, they had the expression, go on to Alabama. You don't get away from the law, go to Alabama, get away from everything. Now, you know the latter part of that, which is gone to Texas. <laughs> gone to Texas. You know about being gone to Texas. I actually have relatives here somewhere. Uh, not in this congregation, I don't know, maybe here, uh, folks who 
had gone to Texas some years ago uh, because, well, anyhow, they're out here somewhere. <clears throat> Several years ago at Mimi's backyard, Ellie and Mark, Mark seen it this morning. Is Mark Leg here? Oh, good, I can tell this story. Uh, we were playing in the backyard, and all of a sudden, uh, I think he was a preschooler at the time, and he just stopped the game. And he said, God is great. I say that five times a day. Now, 15, 20 years ago, I heard him say that, and I still remember it. I don't expect you to know all the sermon today in 15, 20 years, but maybe there's something in here that will reach out for you because uh, uh, there's Mark, there's Ellie. Did she move? She went to lunch, okay. And, uh, you know, Ellie that played for me last night and Holland gave me his bed last night and we ran down Michael D and threw him on the couch. There you go. Uh, and then Emma brought me my breakfast this morning. I said, I might just stay here a while because I will say <laughs> this in, in 62 years as a licensed preacher. See, at 82, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere. But uh, uh, y'all hadn't heard that before? That is so old. That's even older than the story I'm probably going to tell. But um, this family's been an awful lot to me. And of course, Chris's mother is my sister. I've known her since she was born. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, by the way, he told me, did I say thank you to, yeah, I did. Uh, he told me, he's, I thought he said 45 minutes. I read the schedule here and it says I have 35 minutes. And uh, so we'll see how it works out. It was a lot longer than that this morning. Uh, you know, but I might be more tired by now. So, uh, but he said, I want to beat the Methodists to the restaurant. <laughs> Now, I've been out here since Thursday, and I don't think I've seen a single Methodist or Methodist church. Uh, but to be sure, see, I retired from actively being the senior pastor of a church 22 years ago. I've served some interims, but I retired, uh, sort of retired, or what somebody tell this morning, repurposed. And uh, another pastor told me that this morning. Uh, and I, and I told somebody the other night, we were talking, I said, I'm going to Texas to preach. Guy looked at me and he says, why don't you ever preach around here? I said, because 22 years ago, I quit wearing a watch. And I don't get invited back anymore. <laughs> but, uh, so to make everything right, I bought a watch. <laughs> which didn't need, I got two timepieces up there and uh, probably got uh, Miss Furt Redfern sitting back there and she's going to say whoop whoop 
<laughs> that one, okay. We'll do that. Trump, by the way, the watch means nothing. Now, another thing, since I've gotten repurposed, Sometimes I'll preach two or three sermons while I'm up here because I may not see you again. And I, I may find something else. After you hear, after hear one, you may ask me to leave. But uh, when Chris mentioned this to me, he gave me 145 psalms to choose from. I struggled with that so much. Uh, we almost got A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That's, that's probably my favorite. Uh, and then I kind of settled in and, and I went to Psalm 139 and look at that. Now this is free. This time out. This is free. It will not show. Uh, David doesn't even know I'm going to do this. But uh, with this is just a free sermon. And uh, I started looking at 1939 because it looks in there and it tells there and it's woven again into Jeremiah and on up through the Bible. The fact that God knows you. Kids that were with me last night know how I tried to point that out in a way. But God knows you even before you're born. God knows you and uh, God does have a sense of humor sometimes, doesn't he? But uh, in, in, 19, in the 1970s, Psychology Today published an article about depression. Uh, I don't have to tell you about depression. You can probably tell me. Well, I don't know if you can tell me more about depression. See, for 59 years, I wore a wedding ring on this hand. Uh, a year and a half ago, my wife passed away. In the meantime, we buried three of her sister, her three sisters, and a daughter-in-law of mine. And since that period of time, tough to struggle with sometimes. And and but but so I looked at depression, and it said <clears throat> there was a person about to be executed for most pretty horrible crimes. I don't know if it was easier to get. Uh, make a joke about John, but I better not. <laughs> but um, guy was about to be executed, and I won't say it was in Texas, but it may have been. Uh, he was about to be executed for his crimes, and it said he he had a tattoo on his arm, and it said. Born to lose. And it went on to say in all the study of people with depression that they were <clears throat> seemed to have an invisible tattoo that they were born to lose. Well, God knows you. God knew you before you were born and God never intended for you to lose. You see, we were born to win. And when we couldn't handle that by ourselves, He sent Jesus Christ who told us even more. So we're born... Well, this is free sermon. I better get it over with. And uh, we know that Jeremiah, you know about Christ. And, and I would have concluded that sermon by saying, 
everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Okay, that's your free sermon. If it didn't mean much, that's okay. Look what you paid for it. All right. Now, to get into the psalm itself, I found a little illustration about two weeks ago. How many of you know? I've seen y'all on TV, YouTube. I know y'all talk back and forth. Uh, how many of y'all are aware of a, an American bird called the Godwit? Can I get a show of hands? I got a couple. Yeah, you, you cheated. <laughs> you did too, because I was practicing on that. But God went, American God went. How about if I told you, all right, I told you there is a bird called him um, the Hudsonian God went. Now how many believe because I told you? Boy, I lost counts that time. Oh, how about if I told you that in a few weeks, some of these birds who are in the south end of Chile, and Chile's, where am I looking, east here? And we, we're near straightening that out anyway. But way out on the south part of South America, down near the polar cap, that's where the bird is right now. Because that's warm for, well, I don't know. But anyhow, they're going to come back up here. And these birds will leave the south part of Chile, fly all the way nonstop to this part of Texas. 6,000 miles nonstop it doesn't. Stop and eat, it doesn't rest, it just comes non-stop. How many of you believe that? Oh, I didn't. I'm glad I'm not running for office here. <laughs> Y'all know I'm joking. Now, uh, David, where's, put, put the little bird up. That is a Hudsonian God went. The reason we know that is they've caught enough of them to put bands on them. That, dog, that bird will fly from the southern part of Chile all the way to this part of Texas. So, I mess y'all up all the time. Uh, somewhere, and will stop in here and feed itself. It's been 6,000 miles nonstop. Took it four, five, six days. It never came down to the ground. We know that because it had tags on them. And it's only going to stay here a day or two eating and head off and eventually wind up in Alaska. Now, how many of you believe there is such a bird? A few. I'm still not running. Uh, okay, take the bird away. The only reason you know anything about the bird, apparently, is because I introduced you to it. I've never seen one. I'm told they land in this part of Texas, or probably around these water, big, nice lakes and all, and come into here. 
But somebody writing in Smithsonian put that picture up and showed it to me uh, just recently. Now you believe that, some of you, because I said it. How about if I tell you this? There are some other scriptures, all scriptures, that have inspired millions and millions of people over the years. Here comes your tangled web, Mike. <laughs> I've already passed it, really. But uh, now here's the Bible. And here's the psalm we're going to look at. And it has inspired millions and millions of people over thousands of years. You don't believe this because I tell you it's here. You, you believe it because of the witness that it itself has followed and has, has proven itself. So we're going to... Oh gosh, I've got 16 minutes. I haven't even got into sermon yet. I do want to say this always. Study the Bible. I encourage that. But while you study the Bible, look for yourself in that. You're in there somewhere. If you study it, you will find yourself, you will find your story. And, well, I won't get into all that because I've, I've got another story. But you look for yourself for you there. Now, we're to look at Psalm 27. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, that, yeah, okay, thank you. All right. We're looking at this psalm itself. Now, Chris gave me 145 psalms to choose from. I spent weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure out which one. I went through several more, 69, 130, whatever. But I said, hey, here is a sermon, here is a psalm that will preach itself. So good, because I got pretty tired this morning, but it's going to preach itself to you. It's, it's going to give you the whole message right in the, in the option here. And I'm going to raise a couple of questions. One is, I cheated because I know the answer. Uh, one is, whom shall I fear? Now, of course it says up there, this is of David. The people that study this tell me this is truly a psalm of David. There are other psalms that other people wrote of the same tradition. And quite frankly, we're pretty sure there was a lot more psalms at the time of, of Jesus. And then later on, they cut it down to like 150. No strange reason it comes out even. That's what they chose. Uh, but it says simply, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of, my life. of whom should I be? Can anybody tell me that wasn't here at nine? <laughs> Can anybody tell me when the scripture is the most used outside the church? I asked this back home and the first person I asked got it right. When is this passage of scripture used outside the church? It is a funeral service. When we gather, we have all these people and all this depression and so forth, and you're scared. You don't know what's going to happen. 
And then the words of, of, of the psalm say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, let's go on to four and five. Uh, now, one thing if I ask, golly, what a pretty child. Uh, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon, <laughs> they change that, they're supporting, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to return and, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter, his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his rock. He will lift me high upon a rock. Chris, why are we in here and not out there? <laughs> They're having a lot more fun out there. <laughs> I love that. I love this. And I don't think I told you this before. This may be the friendly, in 82 years, this may be the friendliest place I've ever been in my life. You people have been so warm and welcoming, and, 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 and I thank you so much for that. One thing, but this is one thing I asked for. Lord, take me in your place. That's all I asked for. But to some degree, maybe not even think you're conscious of, but to some degree you've, you've kind of got, have that in your, in your own makeup today. I want to come here and I want to learn more about the Lord. All right, let's go ahead with uh, the next verse. And now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody. Boy, I know y'all came in here. Uh, love this praise team that was out. I don't know what you call them. I call them praise team. And uh, John said, y'all going to get up some money and buy another string for this guitar. It only has four. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my head will be lifted up. Where's I want to get on down to nine. Uh, nine says, "Hide not your face from me." If this sounds familiar to you, it says to God. You know, it starts out, Lord's my light and my salvation. I have everything. Whoa. I'm still in trouble. I'm still me. I'm still away. Hide not your face from me. If this seemed a little bit strange, I don't think anybody took Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is the one Jesus Christ prayed from the cross itself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's still going to lose, wasn't he? Whoop, that's the other song. Uh, I turn not. Now what am I doing? <laughs> turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my. Cast me not off 
Forsake me not, O God of my salvation, because I'm going to be saved here if we go on to verse... Uh, now let me stay right there a minute. If God seems a long way from you, and you've heard many sermons and everything else about God didn't move, you did, etc., etc., but... I want the verse that says, my mother and father. There you go. Golly, you'd think we practice this, wouldn't you? <laughs> For my father and my mother have forsaken me, and the Lord will take me in. Give you a little trick I learned. When you can't pray at all, we don't have anything to say. When God has seemed so far away, God didn't move, but you didn't mean him. When, when God seems so far away, what can you pray? You can pray. It's done in a very simple way. You just start out by saying, thank you. And we start there. That's a good, good way. Now, we can be saved from our fainting if we can go on. I'm going to leave some of that out. Go ahead. Uh, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of mine enemies. Let's go all the way to 13. I'm out of time here. Let's go. You don't know what else I got ready. Uh, go on to 13. Now, I mentioned Mark. I'll tell more stories if he's not here. Uh, and Mark said something 15 years or more ago, and he said, God is great. I remember that. Now, everything I've told you here, there, 9 o'clock, whatever, if you don't remember another thing I say, this is... Psalm 27, 13. I believe, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord when? I lose them all. In the land of the living, the goodness of the Lord. And we're awful, awfully struggling with what's going on in the world and here and there and yon. And, but I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So if you don't remember anything else, remember this one and give me 14, if you would, please. Uh, now, here's a good one. I already heard John tell this one this morning, so I might not repeat this one. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, I, I told you, I don't guess I told you this yet. You know, I've been, I've been around a few times. Been to a few colleges, have a few degrees, became an army chaplain at the same time, uh, National Guard chaplain at the same time I was pastoring churches and 
and was, I don't know, God has blessed me in a lot of ways. And, and I wound up the highest I could possibly be and so forth and so on. And I pastored churches full time for 40 years. And uh, by the way, I'm using this cane from surgery I had last week on my back. But that's okay. The pain is gone. I don't care how much I hobble. The pain is gone. I want to tell you a little bit. This, this is an old chaplain story, and it goes back to the Philippine Islands. A young man woke up, 13 years old, woke up, did not feel good. Mama went to wake him up in the summertime, said, you want to uh, get, no, Mama, I don't feel good today. Wait till tomorrow. I'll feel better tomorrow. Uh, Mama must have had ginger. He must have had ginger for Mama because... She got him up and took him to the hospital. And uh, so they ran some tests, and he said, and ran some tests, put him in a wheelchair, escorted him down to the wing, a certain wing in the hospital. And he said, and the doctor came in and said, well, Peanut, do you know what you have? He said, uh, yes, sir. I saw it on the chart because I had to lay it in my lap and said, I have polio. Some, well, there might be a few of y'all that remember polio, but not a lot, I guess. But with polio, hey, there you go. Polio, uh, oh, you think COVID was bad. <laughs> you know, and we'll put a handle on some sort of, but I'm not going to talk about COVID. I'm not even going to talk much about polio, except the doctor said, uh, don't ask them to raise this bed because there's a sheet of plywood under it and uh, it won't raise like a hospital bed. And he said, there's another sheet of plywood at the, at the feet, foot. And, and when you can, keep your feet against that where if, if, you ever walk again, your feet will not be deformed. So a 13-year-old boy, and I see quite a few 13-year-old boys here, and you all, uh, you hear the end of my story, you'll know this. There's a real point in here for you. Your 13-year-old boy lay there with polio, thousands of miles away from home, Parents couldn't even come in and see him because we didn't know how contagious. A lot of things we didn't know, never did learn. But uh, and he said, "What am I going to do?" And polio always affected, as far as I know, and I, I certainly talked to a lot of people with it. Uh, polio, whatever else it affected, this one was pretty much thirst pretty much unstable, but it always affected the part of your mouth you speak with. So a lot of grunting and groaning and hollering. And 13-year-old boy who cannot move has to call for a female nurse to come put him on the bedpan. Now, you may be worse you see, I'm telling this story not because I was the chaplain. I was that boy. 
I wasn't a chaplain. Anything I've done, if I've been to school and et cetera, et cetera, and flew airplanes and all that sort of stuff, it's not me. It's not me. It's God. God can do these things. I tell that story sometimes to a group called uh, Epiphany. Y'all may not have heard of that here. We brought it to, it's been brought to Texas, but I don't know exactly where it is. And I know it's been brought to Texas, but it's a, it's a ministry for incarcerated people from 11 to 18. You imagine somebody 11 years old and you got to lock them up? They have it. I've told that story and I've told all them, and I tell you today, you have more to offer God than I did. It's God's story. It's God's psalm that inspires us. It's God's gospel that saves us. One more story and then I'll be through. And it's a chaplain's story too, but not my story. It's a story of uh, G.A. Stunnard Kennedy, who was a World War I chaplain in the British Army, who came home and pastored churches, and he began to write about himself. He was a good poet. And decided to write about himself. And he said, When I was a child and had nothing to pay, they fed me and clothed me day after day. She nursed me in measles and other such ills and mended my clothes. And he paid the bills. And I never knew how and I never knew why they should wear out themselves on a thing such as I. Well, I was a child and had nothing to pay. Now those days are far gone. I grew to a man, a respectable person according to plan. I took 16 in collars and wore a black coat. Political candidates called for my vote. I wrote to the paper and gave them my views and preached to the people. Boy, they are very patient, aren't they? Preached to the people, all patient in pews. I was paid once a month and had an account at the bank with a bank book to show the amount. Was it worth all God's trouble? So little of me is good, fit to beat his desire, so much of me bad. Only fit for the fire. And if they call for a reckoning, what shall I say? Lord, this poor sinner has nothing to pay. Nothing to pay. Give him justice, they say. Nothing for nothing. Take him away. But God says, stay. Christ is for those who have nothing to pay. Let us pray. Righteous and eternal Father, we bow before the image and memory of the cross of our Savior Christ and look forward to His forgiveness. And we thank You for this day, this beautiful day here, and the joy and privilege of being together, most of all, to proclaim Your goodness in the land of the living. So, dear Father, we wait for you. That's the final words. Wait for the Lord. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Mack. Thank you.